Moncrief on News Talk. Jonathan DeBurka Butler uh, is with us once again Sean, to bring us international news. Right, uh, Rwanda, we're going to go to uh, first, where the ex police chief of Rwanda has been arrested in South Africa. Yeah, this is a story that's been going on since 1994, and we keep seeing these stories popping up. I think there was somebody who was uh, charged and sentenced a couple of uh, weeks ago in France in relation to the genocide that happened in, in Rwanda in 1994, as I said, where over 500,000 people were killed. Mm. Uh, I think it was somewhere near 700,000 and they're still dealing with it and they're uh, you know, out to try and get people for, for the crimes that they committed at that time and one of those people was, as you said, a former police chief, a local police chief by the name of Fujiots Keishima um, who's a 62 year old and he was arrested just outside of Cape Town where he had been living for over two decades. Uh, he had taken on a new name and a new ah, identity. Right. He said that he was from Burundi and indeed the reason that he was arrested in the fir- in, initially or why he's been arrested by the South African police is because uh, of, on two counts of fraud. So basically the courts in South Africa are accusing him of using false names in 2000 and 2004 and they're bringing him to court for that. And that is going to buy them time, presumably, to put a file together for the crimes that he's really wanted for, which is the killing of about 2,000 people uh, in a church uh, in northern Rwanda uh, back at that time. Yeah. So um, it seems that there was two groups of authorities involved, the South African police and a group called the International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda, which was a, a branch of, of the um, the International Criminal Court, I suppose, that, mm. that, that hand when things around Rwanda and Yugoslavia began to wind down a little bit, they created these two bodies in 2010, to carry on the work and capturing people like uh, Radovan Karadzic and all yeah. these kind of people as well. Yeah. And he's one of them. So he'd be equivalent. He'd be that high, if you know what I mean. He was, he was really, yeah. they really, really wanted to get him and now they have him. Uh, and, and so it was the, it's the South Africans who will prosecute him for these crimes in Rwanda. Yeah, no, the South Africans will prosecute him for the crimes in South Africa. Yeah. And I think what's going to happen is he'd probably be a flight risk, you see. So Mm. what they're doing is now that they've caught him, they'll prosecute him for those things that they have in South Africa and then they'll look at the extradition process. But in order to keep him there for a long time and go through the extradition process, which could take a long time, and then he'll get sent back. But I don't think he'll get sent to Rwanda. It'll either be Tanzania, where that International Criminal Tribunal for Rwanda is based, or probably The Hague. Ah, so, right, okay. Um, and he wasn't tried in absentia or anything I, like he, that? He, was, he was indicted, all right. Uh, mm. He's one of 96 people that were indicted and one of four who are unaccounted for. So there's three others that are missing right. from that group of 96 and they're still chasing them down. It's like... Yeah, it's, so, uh, so but out of the 96, they found all but three of them. Yeah, all but three of them yeah. so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's uh, interesting. Uh, right, uh, Ghana. We're going to go to next, and uh, a fire in a girl's dormitory. Yeah, awful story from Guyana there in South America um, where 19 people were killed uh, when they were trapped in a school dormitory. This was in a boarding school um, in that country. Now, the 19 people, most of them were girls between the age of 12 and 18. The other was a five-year-old boy who was sleeping in the dormitory and was the son of the house mother. Now, she has a tragic part in this particular story because it appears that she's the one who locked the dorm for the night and she did that in order to stop the girls from seeking out or sneaking out. And as she said, 
socialising. So she could be in quite a bit of trouble for this. And also her son has died, which is an awful tragedy. The reason it started, it seems to have been started on purpose. Uh, there's a 15 year old girl oh. who's since been arrested. She had had her mobile phone taken from her because she was in a relationship with a man who was much older than her. Obviously, the people who were supposed to be looking after her in the school weren't particularly happy about that. She was still trying to get in contact with this man. They took the phone off her. She threatened to set fire to the school and she carried it out. And uh, and, and as a result, these 19 people have died. Was this an upmarket school? What? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it was. I think these were mainly indigenous um, kids who were sent to this school. It's in a mining town uh, called Madia. Um, and... Uh, I, d- I don't think it was particularly upmarket, you know, given that I don't want to be making presumptions, but given yeah. the five year old son was sleeping in with the girls I, I, as well, I would imagine it was a place that just facilitated education and probably, you know, the children were, were sent there by relatively impoverished uh, families yeah. to look yeah. after them. And, 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 you know, again, these were these were girls of secondary school. So yeah. so so the, the, the young girl who set the fire and who had this relationship with a much older man, is there something go, is there some sort of investigation into that? There is. Yeah, she was 15. So she's obviously um, she's obviously underage. And so he's been uh, charged now with statutory rape. OK, I wonder, will it be for the house mother as well? Will there be any um You'd wonder the, 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 the quotes that are coming out from this seem to be favourable towards her. People who are yes, interviewed, yeah, they're sort of saying, look, why she did it, she yes, did it yes. because she loves the kids and she was trying to protect them and that kind of thing. And she, she knew the fire was happening. But when she woke up, she panicked and she couldn't find the keys. Uh, oh, now, God. some people did escape. Um, did manage to get out. Apparently, the fire uh, fire uh, fire brigade got there and they were able to punch holes through the wall and get some people out. But unfortunately, these nineteen died. The fifteen-year-old girl who started the fire, she she got quite badly burned as well, but she survived. Yeah, right. Colombia, we're going to go to next. Now, this is a, an intriguing one. This is a search for possible survivors of of a, a plane crash. Now, it crashed at the start of this month. It crashed at the start of May. I believe it was the 1st of May and it was carrying seven people altogether. So uh, a pilot, co-pilot, a mother and her four children. Now, the four children uh, are aged between 11 months and 13. And it appears that they have survived. At least they survived the crash. Okay, Uh, Search parties are still out looking for them. And as they're, they're looking for them, and when they initially went to the crash site, they found footprints uh, indicating that, you know, some one aged somewhere between, you yeah. know, <laughs> up to 13 years of age had survived. And then they went out looking and they found other things. So they found a child's drinking bottle, a pair of scissors, a hair tie. Later on, they found a dirty nappy, a half eaten passion fruit. And they kept keep finding these things. Now, they are saying that they're hopeful that these kids have survived because they are in from an indigenous tribe called the Hutoto tribe. And what they're doing, in fact, is they've enrolled the grandmother uh, and they've they made a recording of her voice uh, to say to the kids, stay where you are, don't move. And they're going over in a helicopter, going over the area and trying to communicate that to the children. Now, so they're saying that it's great that these items have been found and there's no traces of blood on any of these items. They are saying that most of them probably date from between the 3rd and the 8th of May. But as I said, they're okay. hopeful that because these are indigenous kids and they're trapped in the jungle, they might well know how to survive in there. And uh, the signs are relatively positive, but as of yet, they haven't found them. Right, So, but the oldest is 13, 13 and, and the youngest is only 11, 11 months. months. 
Uh, Two dirty nappies yeah. have been found, though. So you know, right? Okay, that that implies they had like a supply of nappies. Yeah, with them. yeah, must have. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, and somebody seems to know what they're doing. Uh, yeah, of, of the four. So oh, okay, well, fingers crossed yeah, that absolutely. they do, they do find them. Uh, right, uh, Serbia has uh, sent its army in the direction of Kosovo. I, I, I suppose, for want of a better way of phrasing it. Yeah. Um, this has been going on since uh, Friday. So Serbia on Friday ordered uh, its army to move closer to the border with Kosovo. And this was because of protests uh, and police clashes uh, that happened in a town there. Now, it's since spread. So Kosovo is very complicated, as you know, there's 1.8 million people living in it. About 7% of the population are Serbian. Most of the population are ethnic Albanians. 7% are Serbian. Most of them live in the northern territories up near the border with Serbia and a mm. lot of them have never recognised the independence of Serbia which was declared in 2008 right and I don't think Serbia recognises it either right so there's always a lot of tension between the two back in April there were munis- municipal elections okay and the Serbs decided to boycott those elections so that means a lot of ethnic Albanians got into the job of mayor in these local ta- these local towns in this northern territory which are majority Serb okay mm. So they weren't happy with that. And when the mayors went to take their places, particularly in this one town called Zvekan, uh, they blocked the entrance to the city hall. Of course, the police came along to try and shift them. Fighting ensued and so far about 50 people have been injured. Now, since then, the UN peacekeeping force, which is led by NATO, I believe, has got involved as well and 25 of their soldiers have been injured. So if you have a look at some of the footage online, you'll see that it's getting very, very tense and in response to this, the president of Serbia has moved his army closer to the border. And of course, as you know, since that mass shooting in Serbia a couple yeah. of weeks ago, he is under an awful lot of pressure at home. Nothing better than some sort of a conflict in a foreign country to distract attention from Absolutely, domestic affairs. Yeah. Uh, why, why did they boycott the elections in the first instance? Uh, because they feel and they've always felt that they're not represented properly in that uh, in that part of the the country. Yeah, uh, and they would have some, well, they would have some claim to 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 that as well. Yes, yeah. Um, there's always been tension there. I mean, I think the last time we spoke about it, it was to do with number plates. I think uh, being mm. registered in Serbia, and there was difficulties over that. Uh, there was problems with a police officer who I think this was last month who uh, carried out his duty in in a far too aggressive manner and yeah. wasn't dealt with properly Serbs weren't happy about that so there's constantly diplo- there's constant diplomatic talks between the two countries and they they really the presidents certainly don't like each other at all. Yeah. Um. So it's always quite uh, tense. Yeah. Has there been any response to the uh, to the Serbian army from Kosovo? Yeah. Not that I know of. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. No, uh, no. Well, uh, hopefully not. Uh, right. Uh, now, uh, Spain and Portugal. We're going to go to uh, next and. This, you know, this sounds like Jaws, but because, you know, everyone says, you know, killer whales really don't attack people, but they're attacking boats. They are attacking boats, apparently. This is what um, scientists believe is going on. Well, not scientists, it's the people who are on the boats know that they're attacking the boats. But I suppose the, re- the scientists are giving the reasons for it. Um, they seem to be doing it deliberately. And um, it's thought that it's because a, a a matriarch of the group, right, a hostile female by the name of White Gladys, what a great name, mm. uh, was thought to have been traumatised following either a collision with a boat or she might have been caught up in fishing nets. 
and she now sees boats as a kind of an enemy. Um, so okay. what she's doing is she's training her kids to look after themselves. Uh, and so since oh. 2020, there have been numerous attacks on boats, but they seem to have ramped up significantly in the last couple of months, right? As the baby killer whales are getting mm. bigger and they do grow to a length of 21 feet. So they are very, very big. And they're getting stronger and obviously more confident. So on the 4th of May, three orcas reportedly attacked the rudder and side of a sailing yacht off the coast of Spain and the Coast Guard had to be called and the people taken off the boat eventually sank. A um, couple of days uh, later, six orcas rammed the hull of a boat and, and it also sank. And, and, and this year, 60 reported incidents between orcas and boats off the Iberian coast. So there's been a lot going on here. How many babies did killer whales have at a time? That's a great question. Uh, I don't I, know. I wonder whether it's just the three. <laughs> because that's an awful lot of attacks. 60. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, absolutely. And, uh, and as you say, yeah, um, they're able to sink a boat. Yeah, they're putting dents in the hull and yeah. crashing rudders and all sorts of things. Yeah, they cause quite a bit of damage. Uh, right. Okay. Okay, what should we look out for over the... <laughs> like, don't go on holidays there. Uh, what should we look out for over the next week or yeah, so? Yeah, well, another reason maybe not to go to ho- on holidays to Spain is that uh, the socialists were trounced in local elections there last week and uh, as a result, they've announced... The Prime Minister there has announced a general election that's going to take part in July. So there'll be a lot of um, canvassing and that kind mm. of thing happening in uh, over the next month or so. So that could be quite interesting to look at over the next month. Uh, there's rumours of a meeting between Turkey and Sweden uh, as regards the NATO uh, application that Sweden have made. And of okay, course, Turkey are blocking. Yeah. So there's talks about talks. So we'll see what yeah. happens there. And then Thursday... Uh, the 1st of June in Moldova, the second meeting of the European political community brings together f- leaders from 47 European countries, including Britain and Ukraine. So uh, that's an interesting group. And they sort of look at security and energy and that kind of thing. So okay. the Brits yeah. are still trying to keep their hand in there. Uh, uh, but interesting also that Ukraine's uh, uh, there a too. Part of it as well. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan, thanks a million. Thanks, as Sean. ever, Jonathan de Burke or Butler, there you are. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.